لله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك الفيض belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger mm. Today, uh, in lecture number nine, from Al-Ma'rifah, Al-Ulum Al-Hadith, on introduction to the science of Hadith, by Shaykh Suhaib Hassan Abdul Ghaffar, Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him. We'd like to continue to the sixth classification or category, uh, major heading that he has mentioned in the book. Uh, classification of hadith according to a hidden defect found in the isnad or text of the hadith classification of hadith according to a hidden defect found in the isnad or text of the hadith and here he mentions three types of hadith the general heading is under the hidden defects ma'alul or mu'allal المضطرب المقلوب but quickly before reading from the book let us just quickly look at the categories which we took last week briefly in lecture number 8 classification of hadith according to the nature of the text and its name and we said also as a point as a reminder that there are two important two major reasons why hadith would be classified as weak or unacceptable we said that the two major categories that a hadith is classified as unacceptable due to uh, a criticism of the narrator that the narrator was a person of bad character or of the people of innovation or a person who had bad memory or something yani, related to his character or his accuracy in reporting that which he heard that's, that's the first major category criticism of the narrator himself of one of the narrators or more than one of the narrators in the chain the second major reason for the rejection of a hadith is a break in the chain of narrators yani when a narrator is missing okay so the first major category of rejection of hadith or the reason for rejection of hadith is due to a defect in one of the reporters one or more of the reporters the other major reason is that we don't know who one or more of the reporters are yani a break in the chain there's a link or more missing and we don't know who they are so we cannot accept the hadith not knowing the reliability of that missing person or persons and we discussed a number of types of broken chains such as muallaq mursal and muadal 
al-munqatiyah as a general category and uh, last week we started to talk about something related to the narratives themselves and from amongst those categories is shaz a hadith that's classified as shaz is due to the fact that a reporter who was considered as a reliable acceptable reporter has narrated something which is in conflict at a difference with or in contradiction to someone who's more reliable or a group of reliable reporters or more than him in number so even though that narrator is generally accepted his reports are generally accepted but now he has narrated something in contradiction or in conflict with those someone or a group who are more reliable than him so here the problem with the hadith or the problem with this narration is the narrator even though the narrator is generally an accepted reporter but here he has been contradicted by someone or those who are more reliable than him <coughs> so we said linguistically shaz which is the opposite of mahfuz it means infirad or the odd one in the group technically that which is narrated by a reliable maqbool or thiqa narrator in contradiction to what is narrated by those who are more reliable than him uh, and we said that the ruling concerning shaz hadith is that it's classified as weak daif and rejected and even though on the surface it appears to be authentic but when that acceptable or reliable narrator has been contradicted by someone more reliable than him then we accept the more reliable one and reject the less reliable one and that rejected one is called shaz the one that is accepted is called mahfuz the one that is preserved or corrected correctly memorized narration the one narrated by the more reliable narrator the second category we talked about was munkar which is similar to shaz uh, munkar we said linguistically means that which is rejected or repudiated as opposed that which is accepted yani the one that is rejected is munkar and its opposite which is accepted is the ma'ruf technically it has been defined in a number of ways <coughs> the following are two of those definitions one the hadith whose chain of narrators it should be chain of narrators instead of chain or the one whose chain of narrators contains a narrator who makes serious mistakes innumerable instances of unmindfulness openly displays evil or immoral behavior yani the narrator here the problem is with the narrator that he has been known to make serious mistakes or he has been known for unmindfulness yani not paying attention therefore how can we accept the accuracy of his reports or is a person of, of bad behavior and the second definition is the hadith which is reported by a weak narrator in contradiction to that which is reported by a reliable narrator in both definitions the problem is with the narrator something is wrong with the rawi the reporter but the second one which is the more common definition of munkar is a weak narrator who is in conflict or in contradiction or a difference with a reliable narrator okay and the reason why i said munkar is similar to shaz is because in munkar and shaz according to the second definition of munkar in both cases there is a contradiction or conflict between what has been reported in both cases there is a contradiction and in both cases we accept the one who is more reliable 
But the difference between them is that in the Shah's report, it is a reliable reporter who is who has made an error and has been contradicted. If he is a reliable reporter who is contradicted, we call it Shah's. But if he is a weak reporter who is contradicted by someone better than him, then we call it Munkar. This is the difference between the two. The opposite of Munkar is Ma'ruf. It is the accepted one. Then we talked about Mudraj, which means that linguistically that which has been entered into something else and joined to it. Technically, that Isnad, chain of narrators whose order has been changed, or the Metin, which has had something added to it. And the text, which has had something added to it, which is not part of it without an indication of separation. And if something has been added to the Metin, or something has been added to the Isnad, that is not originally a part of it, something added to it. That's what is called Idraj, or the Hadith, which is Mudraj. It may occur in the chain of narratives or in the actual text. And also, in the text, it may occur in the beginning, which is seldom, in the middle, which is even more rare, and it almost never happens, or in the end, which is the most common place where Idraj usually takes place. At the end of narrating the text of a hadith, the reporter might add some words of explanation or definition or clarification or otherwise. It's most common at the end of the hadith, but when there's no separation between the text that he's reporting in his own words, this is what leads other people down the line to think it's part of the hadith. And that's called idraj, when something has been added. And it perhaps, and normally it's probably unintentional. The narrator doesn't intend to report it as part of the hadith, but because he didn't make a distinction or separation between the metan or the text of the hadith and his own explanation, then some people reported it as one text. Uh, we said that doing so, adding something to the text, obviously is forbidden. Except in the case where words of explanation or clarification uh, are used, but in that case, there should be a clear distinction between the text of the hadith and the words of clarification. Okay, this is briefly what we covered last week. Uh, here in this chapter, the Shaykh says, according to a hidden defect found in the isnad or text of the hadith. Actually, these classifications that he mentions here really require some lengthy explanation but it is our intention merely to become exposed to these technical terminologies and to have some awareness of them not necessarily to understand them completely from every angle so as he mentions them briefly also we'll go through them briefly the Sheikh says before discussing Ma'alul, or the defective ahadith, a brief note on mudtarif, shaky, and maqloob, reversed or turned upside down, ahadith, would help in understanding ma'alul. And the ma'alul hadith, it means a hadith which has a defect in it. But that defect is not obvious. It is a hidden defect that's difficult to detect. And also, in the technical definition of ma'alul, it should be a defect that affects the 
acceptability of the hadith. If there's a defect that doesn't really affect the hadith as being sahih or not, it doesn't affect it, then it's not really considered under the category of ma'loom. Although there's a defect, but there are two conditions really for the proper definition of ma'loom. There should be a defect which is hidden, not obvious, and number two, it should affect the authenticity of the hadith. And it should be a cause for the hadith to be rejected. So here the Shaykh says, in order to understand ma'loom, a brief note on two types of rejected hadith which contain defects which are difficult to detect, which are not obvious and require research to identify or to discover. Uh, he discussed them as examples to, be, to understand what is the meaning of ma'loom. So the first category he mentions mudtarib. According to Ibn Kathir, Al-Hafiz Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, if reporters disagree about a particular shaykh or about some other point in the isnad, chain of narrators, or the metin, the text, in such a way that none of the opinions can be preferred over the others, and thus there is uncertainty about the isnad or the metin, such a hadith is called mutarif. What are the important points of this definition that Ibn Kathir mentions here? That there is disagreement between the reports, whether it's from one reporter who has who it has been reported from him in varying ways, in more than one way. Or more than one reporter whose reports are contradictory. And it can be from one person, maybe two or three people narrated from that person, but they narrated differently, contradictory, from the same person. Or it can be two or three different people that the same subject is narrated from, but they are contradictory. Okay? The important thing, there should be a contradiction here. The reporters disagree, either about a particular sheikh in the chain of narratives, they named him differently, or they reported his name differently, or about some other points in the isnad, or in the text. It can be in the isnad, or it can be in the text. They differed. The people who reported it differed in the way they reported the chain, or in the way that they reported the text. That's the first thing. There has to be contradiction between them that cannot be reconciled. We can't figure out any way to make agreement between them, between the contradiction in these varying reports. And the second point is that none of the opinions can be preferred over the others. And not only we cannot make agreement between them, we can't make reconciliation, which is called uh, tawfiq, but also we cannot make tarjih or show that one of the reports is superior to be preferred over the others. We cannot do it because they are equally strong. And if we look at each of those people who reported it, they all are equally acceptable and reliable reporters. So if one of them was stronger than the others, then we would give preference to him over the others. But if they are all equal, we can't give preference to one over the other. Therefore, this hadith is called mudtarif. And if the difference or the conflict in their reports cannot be reconciled, nor are we able to show that one of the reporters is superior to the others, therefore giving him preference. So these two are important points concerning Muttarif. In that case, since we cannot make reconciliation and we cannot give preference to one over the other, then that hadith is classified as Muttarif 
and it is rejected. We cannot act upon it. Here the Shaykh gives an example with regard to ibtirab in the isnad, in the chain of narratives. It is reported in the story of Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, that he said, O Messenger of Allah, I see you getting older. I see you getting older. And actually in the narration from At-Tirmidhi, he said, you have gotten, your hair has turned gray. Qad shibta. The Prophet ﷺ responded to him saying, what made me old or made my hair gray are Surah Hud and its sister Surahs. Yani, he said that what has caused my hair to become gray is the frightful reports in the Quran concerning the events of resurrection and judgment and punishment. Shayabatni Hud, the chapter entitled Hud, wa akhawatuha, and its sister Surah. In the narration of Al-Tirmidhi, he said, Hudun wal waqi'ah wal mursalat wa amma yatasa'alun wa idha shamsu kuwira. And these chapters are explained to be the sister chapters of Surah Hud. And if you look at these chapters in the Quran, al waqi'ah al mursalat, amma yatasa'alun, you see it dealing with the events of the resurrection and judgment, the frightful events of that day. So he said, this is what caused his hair to become white or gray. Here the Shaykh says, concerning this report, says this is an example of a mudtarb hadith. Mudtarb. It is reported through Abu Ishaq. Yani one of the narratives in the chain of uh, narration is Abu Ishaq but as many as ten different opinions are held about this Isnad yani, there are a number of different ways that the hadith was reported through different chains all of them centering on Abu Ishaq different people reported it from him different ways some of them reported as Mursal Mursal meaning it has a break after the Tadi going directly to the Prophet without the mention of the Sahabi or whoever may have been deleted from there. Some of them reported as a Mursal Hadith. Others reported as Mutfasal or Mawsool with a complete chain with no break in it. Some reported it from the Musnad of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. The Musnad here means that the Sahabi who reported the Hadith is Abu Bakr. And we said that one of the meanings of Musnad, it means that a book of hadith whose narrations are all collected under each Sahabi. Yani Abu Bakr, all the hadith of Abu Bakr from the Prophet in one chapter, all the hadith of Aisha anha, in one chapter and so on. So some of them reported as a Musnad, yani being reported from Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, others as Musnad of Sa'ad anhu, and others as Musnad of Aisha anha. Yani some people said the Sahabi who reported was Abu Bakr, some said others. Since all these reports are comparable in weight, yani, none of them is stronger than the others, it is difficult to prefer to make tarjih, to give preference to one above another. Hence the hadith is termed as muttarib. So here in this hadith, yani, it has been reported in numerous ways, and there is no way to make agreement between them, reconciliation, and also 
we don't find that any chain of narrators is stronger than another one so that we could give preference to that one and reject the others. Therefore, since they are equal in weight, none being preferable to another or stronger, then this, is, this means that we cannot accept any of them because we don't know which one to, to take. So this is called a mudtarib hadith and it is rejected. This is ittirab in the chain of narrators. And with it, the chain has been reported in different, varying, contradictory ways that cannot be reconciled, nor is one superior to the other. As an example of ittirab in the text, Rafi ibn Khadij said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, forbade the renting of land. And this is ittirab in the text, in the metin. The words that have been reported, been reported in contradictory ways that cannot be reconciled, nor is one of them superior to the others so that we can give preference to it. Concerning the, the prohibition of renting land. The reporters narrating from Rafi gave different statements. Some of them said in the first one, Hanzala asked Rafi, what about renting for gold and silver? He replied, it does not matter if it is rent for gold and silver. And as though he allowed it. If it's for gold and silver, he allowed it. It does not matter if it is rent for gold and silver. The second one, Rifa'ah from Rafi'i, from the Prophet ﷺ, who said, whoever owns a piece of land should cultivate it, give it to his brother to cultivate or abandon it. And here it appears as though it's not allowed to rent it. You should cultivate it yourself, give it to your brother to cultivate or leave it. So this contradicts the first one. The first one said, if it's for gold and silver, you may rent it, no problem. This one doesn't mention the allowance of renting. Salim from Rafi from his two uncles from the Prophet ﷺ, who forbade the renting of farming land. Yani a general prohibition of renting farming land. That's different than the first two narrations. The son of Rafi from Rafi from the Prophet ﷺ, who forbade the renting of land. And here he doesn't limit it to farming land. He says it's forbidding to rent any land. The other one said it's forbidding only to rent farmland. Each one of them has some very variance or difference in the way it was reported. A different narration from Rafi radiallahu anhu from the Prophet وسلم, who said whoever owns a piece of land should either cultivate it or give it to his brother to cultivate. He must not rent it for a third or a quarter of the produce nor for a given quantity of the produce. And here he says you should cultivate it or give it to your brother to cultivate but you shouldn't rent it out. Yani, give it to somebody else to cultivate and they give you in exchange as a rental fee a third or a quarter of the produce of what they produce from the farmland or nor any other given quantity of the produce. So here again, yani, it, is, it is as though renting of the farmland is prohibited. Uh, then he mentions another report, Zayd ibn Thabit said, May Allah forgive Rafi, radiallahu anhuma, I am more aware of the hadith than he. And Zayd radiallahu anhu says that Rafi didn't report it correctly. He said, I am more aware of the hadith than he. What happened? was that two of the Ansar helpers had a dispute so they came to the Prophet ﷺ who said after listening to their cases if this is your position then do not rent the farms and in reference to a problem between two people he said if this is your position then do not rent the farms Rafi has only heard the last phrase that is do not rent the farms but he didn't know what was the circumstances and then the people reported it from him in various different ways, contradicting one another. Because of these various versions, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah said, the ahadith reported by Rafi radiallahu anhu about the renting of land are mudtarib, 
and his attacks are contradictory to one another. There is no way to reconcile them, nor is there any way to give preference to one over another. They are not to be accepted. Imam Ahmed says they are not to be accepted, especially when they go against the well-established hadith of Ibn Umar. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, gave the land of Khaybar to the Jews on condition that they work on it and take half of the produce. Yani, it is an authentic report from Abdul ibn Umar that the Prophet went to the land of Khaybar when the Jews were overcome. The Prophet allowed them to stay on their land even though it now belonged to the Muslims, but to stay on it and to farm it, and that they would keep half of what they produced and give the other half to the Muslim state, to the Muslims. Huh? It is? Aside from Jizya is different. This is uh, an agreement. The land now belongs to the Muslims. The Muslims were busy in jihad, and they were occupied with other things. There was no way for them to become farmers. So the Prophet in his wisdom said, leave them on the land, they're already working it, let them work it. And they will take some portion of what they produce as a rental fee, and the rest will go to the Muslims. So here Imam Ahmed is saying that that which has been reported from Rafi concerning the prohibition of renting land is in contradiction to the well-known fact that the Prophet allowed the land to be rented in the, in the occasion of Khaybar. So Imam Ahmed said that this hadith the hadith of Rafi concerning renting of land or the prohibition of renting land is mudtarib. Many of the various narrations are contradictory, and not only that, but it's also contradictory to that which we know uh, of the per- permission of renting farmland. So here he gives this as an example of ittirab in the text of the hadith. Uh, Another, perhaps more clear example of ittirab in the text of the hadith is in the handout, the bottom of the page, the second from the last paragraph. In the metin, the hadith of a tirmidhi from Shariq, from Abi Hamza, from Ash-Sha'bi. You will get it, inshallah, before we leave here. From Fatima bin Qais, radiallahu anha, who said, the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was asked about his zakat. And he said, inna fil mal لَحَقًّا سِوَى الزَّكَاةِ إِنَّ فِي الْمَالِ That verily there is in someone's wealth a duty لَحَقًّا A definite duty سِوَى الزَّكَاةِ Besides zakat Not only zakat but there is another duty that a person that is upon a person's wealth Not only are you obligated to pay zakat but there are other obligations upon you as well That's in the narration that's reported by At-Tirmidhi In the Sunnah of Ibn Majah he reports with the same chain of narratives the, a different version. He said, "Laysa fil mal haqqun siwa zakat." And the person said, "Inna fil mal definitely there is in someone's wealth la haqqun siwa zakat." There is a duty besides zakat in addition to zakat. And in this narration, he says, "Laysa fil mal that there is not in in the wealth haqqun siwa zakat. No one has a duty to pay on their wealth besides zakat. Only zakat, nothing else besides that. So one of them said. There is definitely a duty besides the cat, and the other one says there is no duty besides the cat. So they are obviously contradictory. Al Iraqi, the Shaykh of Al Hafiz al Hajj al Sikhani, Rahimahullah says, this is ittirab, and it cannot be interpreted in a way to reconcile. And it cannot be interpreted in a way to reconcile.
so he said this is itiraq in the text. Actually, I meant to make a note here because I was reading the same uh, or similar explanation in another book of Musala by one of the scholars from Medina, Sheikh Abdul Muslim al Abdad. And uh, actually, he had given concerning this itqirab, he had given an explanation. Some of the scholars said that perhaps uh, this hadith can be explained, and there is a way to explain it. And he explained it as he says that perhaps this hadith uh, can be explained. He said that perhaps both of these narrations have been reported from the Prophet both narrations, both ways were reported and he says that the narration that says that there is definitely a right besides the cat he said that the meaning of it could be that there is also besides the cat there is sadaqah nafal, yani voluntary charity voluntary charity is also a duty on someone's wealth okay. uh, so when he said that definitely there is a right over your wealth besides the cat, he said that in this narration it might be explained to mean that there is also voluntary charity, sadaqah, nafl. Whereas in the narration which denies that there is any duty upon a person's wealth besides the cat, he said this could be interpreted as laysa fil mal means laysa fil mal wajib siwaz the cat. That means that there is no obligation on your wealth, any compulsory charity besides the cat. And where the first one means that there is a duty, it's not compulsory, but there is a voluntary duty on your wealth besides obligatory the cat. And the one that says that there is no uh, obligation means that there is no compulsory obligation on your wealth besides the cat. Wallahu alam. The, the reason why I wanted to mention this is because you see sometimes the scholars differ on these things. Some may say this hadith is muttarik. There's no way to make reconciliation. But another scholar may have looked into it more deeply and found some way to reconcile or to make agreement between the apparently contradictory uh, narrations. And we find this often that uh, some of the scholars explain a hadith one way and other scholars look more deeply into it and give further explanation or more correct explanation and especially in those reports that appear to be contradictory. And there are books written about this. Ikhtilaf al-Hadith. One of the famous books is Ikhtilaf al-Hadith by Imam al-Shafi'i. <coughs> and there are other uh, well-known books concerning this where apparent contradictory hadith are explained, are reconciled. And this, sometimes if you look at these hadith and examine them carefully, you will see no way to make agreement between them. Then you see how the scholars are able to explain them in a way that it really can be reconciled. And this shows the yani, uh, favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the scholars of the Muslim Ummah. <coughs> the next category that the Shaykh mentions is maqloob. A hadith is known as maqloob, changed or reversed or turned upside down from qalb, turning something around when its isnad is grafted to a different text or vice versa. Yani, the chain has been taken from one text and put on another text. Yani, a chain of narration that's reported with a certain hadith, they took it from that hadith, that text, that metin, 
and put it and, ex- and took the isnad from another method and put that one in its place. They exchanged the isnad. This is called maklub. Uh, or if a reporter happens to reverse the order of a sentence in the text, or even reverse the names of the narrators, if he changes the sentence, changes the words, the order, or exchange one word for another, reverse the order or ch- reverse the names of the narrators, uh, also this is maklub. Uh, the Sheikh says an example of, of, of maklub relating to the metin or the text is his transmission of the famous hadith describing the seven who will be under the shelter of Allah, under the shade of Allah on the day of judgment, reported by <coughs> Muslim. In one of the narrations of Muslims he says, a man who conceals his act of charity to such an extent that his right hand does not know what his left hand gives in charity. This sentence has clearly been reversed by one of the reporters, one of the narrators of the hadith, because the correct wording, as reported in both Al-Bukhari and Muslim in another narration, is that uh, his left hand does not know what his right hand gives. Yani, he turned the wording around. Instead of saying the left hand doesn't know what his right hand gives, one of the reporters turned the words around and said his right hand doesn't know what his left hand gives. So this is... Yani, uh, a reversal of the word this is a hadith that is maqloob in the text in the text of the hadith the famous test or trial of al-Bukhari by the scholars of Baghdad proves a good example of a maqloob isnad yani maqloob in the senad or the chain of narrative the tradition is in order to test their visitor al-Bukhari rahimahullah appointed ten men each with ten ahadith. Now each hadith, yani each metan or text of these ten men was prefixed with the isnad of another one. Yani they took the metan and they put a different isnad on it, not the one that it really belongs to it. Instead of mentioning the real chain of narrators, they put another chain of narrators on it from a different hadith. They narrated the text of the hadith correctly and they narrated it with real chains of narration. But they switched up the isnad. From one hadith, they put it on a different one. And the isnad from that one, they put it on a different text. Remember, Qari listened to each of the ten men as they narrated the hadith and denied the correctness of every hadith. Yani ten men, each of them narrating ten different texts. Uh, when they had finished narrating these hadith, he addressed each person in turn and recounted to him each of his hadith with its correct isnad. This trial earned him great honor among the scholars of Baghdad. This is a very famous incident in the life of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, and it proved the superiority of the memory of Imam al-Bukhari and his knowledge of hadith. Those people narrated to him 100 hadith consecutively, each one, one by one. One man narrated 10 hadith to him with a chain of narrated. The second one narrated his ten. The third one his ten. And each, each hadith, when it was narrated to him, he rejected it. He said, I don't know this hadith. I don't know it. I don't know it. It's not accepted. It's not accepted. Until the last of the ten narrated his ten, one hundred hadith, then Bukhari reported to them, or narrated to them one by one. The first man, the hadith which he reported, actually, its chain of narrative is like this. He gave the correct chain with the isnaid. One by one. Ten hadith. To the second man, his ten hadith with the correct chain, and the third one until he finished 100 hadith from his memory, correcting the uh, change 
or the exchange of isnad which they had placed to test him. So this is an example of maqloob in the isnad, maqloob al-isnad. Uh, in the case where a chain, a complete chain, has been taken from its text and put on another text. Whereas also we can say maqloob, it may also include the change of the names, as mentioned in the handout, a maqloob, al-isnad, he said, the name of the narrator, and his father's is reversed. For example, Ka'ab ibn Murra is referred to as Murra ibn Ka'ab. Just changing the name of the narrator, this is also considered maqloob in the isnad. Or the name of the narrator is replaced by that of a completely different narrator changing the isnad to a new one. Yani instead of the hadith being reported, for example, from Abu Huraira, they replaced Abu Huraira with Abu Bakr Siddiq, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. In that case, uh, the chain of narratives has been turned around and he's been given a new reporter and this is also one of the forms of maqloob al-isnad. Uh, the shaykh says other ways in which the hadith have been rendered maqloob are by the replacement, replacement of the name of reporter with another, for example, Quoting Abu Huraira as the reporter from the Prophet although the actual reporter was someone else. Or, by reversal of the name of the reporter, for example, example mentioning Walid ibn Muslim instead of Muslim ibn Walid, or Ka'ab ibn Murra instead of Murra ibn Ka'ab. So, this is the second type of hadith that is rejected not necessarily due to the weakness of the reporter himself. Uh, and it's not obvious that the reporter is weak, but usually this type of hadith, it appears as though the hadith would be authentic. It appears to be authentic. And in fact, the isnad, uh, it may be a correct isnad, but it doesn't belong to that hadith. It may be a correct isnad, but it doesn't belong to that text. And the text may be an authentic text from the Prophet but that, that isnad doesn't belong to him. In any case, uh, the maqloob hadith, it could be, in fact, an authentic report from the Prophet it could be, uh, but it has been exchanged with a different isnad, or it may be rejected if in fact the words of the hadith are changed. Yani, if the words of the hadith are changed, then the incorrect report with the change of words would be rejected. Whereas if the isnad, yani the narrator, for example, Sahabi, has been exchanged for another one, then that text may really be authentic. It may really be authentic, but it's still considered as maqloob. Uh, the final thing that the Shaykh mentions here is ma'lool or mu'allal. He says that Ibn al-Salah rahimahullah mentions a ma'alul defective hadith is one which appears to be sound but thorough research reveals a disparaging factor. <coughs> and on the surface the hadith appears to be sahih but after careful research you find that there is some defect which affects the authenticity of the hadith. Such factors can be Number one, declaring a hadith musnad when in fact it is mursal. 
Yani declaring it mustad meaning that it's muttasal, a complete chain, and marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, while in fact it is mursal, yani it doesn't have a complete chain. In fact, the correct way that it should have been narrated is mursal, because the tabi'i didn't mention the person who heard it from between him and the Prophet ﷺ. <coughs> so this is a defect in the hadith that is not easily detected. And it affects, it affects the authenticity of the hadith. Because if it looks musnad, then we will say it has a complete chain. And if the people in that chain are reliable reporters, we will say it's sahih. Whereas in fact, it should have been narrated with a broken link after the tabi'i. Because it was really a mursal hadith. Which would mean that that hadith is weak and rejected. Because there's someone missing and we don't know who it is. Sometimes it may be reported marfu' when it is in fact mawkuf. And it would be reported marfu'an, meaning that it's attributed as a statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Well in fact... It is mawkuf, a statement of a sahabi. So also, this is a defect that is not easily detected. The second category, he says, showing a reporter to narrate from his shaykh when he in fact did not meet the latter. Yani the person who, in the chain of narration, they have him reporting from, he never met that person. Or attributing a hadith to one companion when in fact it comes through another. And in this, attributing hadith to one companion, when in fact it belongs to another, comes under maqloob. And this one, reporting a, uh, a report, showing a, a report as an area from his shaykh when in fact he did not meet him, this is uh, also called, uh, may come under mudallas. Uh, uh, and a person who reports from someone who he heard hadith from, but he didn't hear that hadith, or someone who he lived in their time, and he could have heard hadith from, but he really didn't hear any hadith from them. In any case, he heard it from somebody else who heard it from that person. But when it's reported that he narrated from this shaykh when in fact he did not meet him, or he did not hear that hadith from him, then this may come under a tadlis, or it may come under another category of mursal khafi. In any case, these are defects in the hadith that affect the authenticity of the hadith, and they are not obvious. They are not obvious. Therefore, this is what is referred to as ma'alul or mu'allal. Ali ibn al-Madini, rahimahullah, one of the shaykhs of al-Bukhari, who died in the year 234. In the book, there's a typographical error. It says 324, but actually his date of death is 234. Ali ibn al-Madini, rahimahullah, says that such a defect can only be revealed if all the isnad of a particular hadith are collated, yani are collected together. The only way you can... Uh, detect these uh, hidden defects is when all of the isnads of a particular hadith are brought together and examined and scrutinized carefully then you can detect these mistakes in his book Al-Ilal he gives 34 successes Tabi'un and the names of those companions Sahaba from whom each of them heard a hadith directly for example he says that Al-Hasan al-Basri who died in the year 110 at the age of 88 did not see Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu who died in the year 40. Yani Hassan al-Basri died 70 years after Ali and when he died he was 88 which means that he was young at the death of Ali. So here Ali ibn says that Hassan al-Basri actually didn't meet Ali. Although he adds that there is a slight possibility that he may have seen him during his childhood or his youth in Medina because when Ali died he was 18. So perhaps in that time when he was a young man, it's possible that he may have seen him, but it's unlikely. 
So he says there's a slight possibility. Such information is very important since, for example, many Sufi traditions go back to Al-Hasan al-Bakri, who is claimed to report directly from Ali, radiallahu anhu. Yani, many of the Sufis claim Hassan al-Bakri, the great Tabi, rahimahullah, to be the Imam or the Ra'is of Sufiyah. And they always make their false uh, reports coming from Hassan al-Basri, from Ali. But in fact, according to the most reliable opinion, and Ali bin Medini was one of the greatest scholars in this uh, science of al-ilal or hidden defects in hadith. He was one of the few scholars who was very meticulous and proficient in it. He says that Hassan al-Basri did not meet Ali. So all of those narrations that the Sufis narrate from Hassan al-Basri from Ali, they are false. Being a very delicate branch of Mustalah Hadith, only a few well-known traditionists, scholars of Hadith, such as Ali ibn Minini, uh, Ibn Abi Hatim al-Razi, al-Khalal, and al-Darqutni have compiled books about it. And a few scholars have written books about this topic. And included amongst them is Imam Ahmed and Imam Bukhari, also among the famous scholars who are well-known for the knowledge of hidden defects, ilal, ilal al-Hadith. And also Imam Ahmed has a book concerning this. And Al-Tirmidhi has a book concerning it, a small book, Al-Ilal, in the end of his Sunan. And that book has been explained in two big volumes uh, by Al-Hafiz Ibn Rajab. Uh, so he says, Ali ibn Medini, or Ibn Abi Hatim, in his, in his book, Kitab Al-Ilal, has given 2,840 examples of Ma'alul, a hadith about a range of topics. And 2,840 hadith, which he has pointed out, where the hidden defects and discuss them in detail, showing the hidden defects in those hadith. An example of a ma'alul hadith, and actually probably the biggest book of ilal, is by Imam al-Tarqutni, who died in the year 385, and his book has been published in about 10 or 11 volumes concerning ilal hadith. And it is said that Imam al-Tarqutni, when he wrote that book, he wrote it from his memory. And he mentioned sometimes hundreds of asanid, for one method and showing the variations in them and the differences in order to detect the hidden defect in it. Uh, an example of a ma'alul hadith is since on Sunday he created the trees on Monday he created the things entailing labor on Tuesday he created the light or in some narrations fish on Wednesday he scattered the bees in it, yani in the earth, on Thursday, and he created Adam after the afternoon of Friday. The last creation at the last hour of the hours of Friday. And he means by this that the last uh, creation took place, the creation of Adam took place at the last hour, in the end of Friday, yani before Maghrib, because the day ends at Maghrib between the afternoon and night, yani between Zohar and, or between Asr and Maghrib. Uh, regarding it, regarding this hadith reported by Imam Muslim Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah says, men more knowledgeable than Muslim, such as Al-Bukhari and Yahya Ibn Ma'in, also uh, some, some of the scholars mentioned that the one who actually, along with Al-Bukhari, who criticized this hadith of Muslim, instead of Yahya Ibn Ma'in, it was Ali ibn Medini. And both Yahya ibn Ma'in and Ali ibn Medini were the two great sheikhs of al- Imam al-Bukhari, two of his most knowledgeable sheikhs. In any case, such as al-Bukhari and Yahya ibn Ma'in have criticized 
this narration from Imam Muslim. Al-Bukhari said, this saying is not that of the Prophet Wasallam, but one of Ka'ab al-Ahbar. Uh, here, the Shaykh makes a note which is very important concerning this hadith. He says in the footnote number 64, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that Imam Muslim's authentication of this hadith that Imam Muslim's declaring this hadith to be authentic is supported by Abu Bakr al-Anbari and Ibn al-Jawzi both of them support Imam Muslim in saying that this hadith is sahih whereas al-Bayhaqi supports those who disparage it who said that it's not sahih al-Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah says that it was Ibn al-Madini, Ali al-Madini who criticized it whereas not yani, Yahya ibn Ma'in whereas Ibn Ma'in did not. The latter was known to be very strict. Both of them were Shaykh al-Bukhari. He further says that the hadith is sahih. Yani Shaykh al-Bani says that this hadith is sahih and he is in agreement with Imam Muslim that it is sahih and it does not contradict the Quran contrary to the probable view of the scholars who criticize the hadith since what is mentioned in the Quran is the creation of the heavens and earth in six days each of which may be like a thousand years Whereas the hadith refers to the creation of the earth only in days, days which are shorter than those referred to in the Quran. And this is mentioned in Sufra, Hadith of Sahih, number 1833. In any case, the important thing here is that some of the scholars, though they differ about this hadith, some of them said this hadith is ma'alul, it has a hidden defect which is difficult to detect, and some of them said no, it can be, yani, what appears to be a contradiction or a defect in the hadith can be explained. And from amongst those who were in agreement with um, Al-Imam Muslim was Al-Bayhati and amongst those who differed with him was Ibn Al-Jawzi. In any case, um, this is given as an example by most of the books of Mustalah Hadith as an example of a Hadith that has in the text of it a hidden defect. This is the end of what the Shaykh mentions concerning Al-Ilal. In the next chapter, inshallah, that we'll cover, which is really the last category or the last major subsection of hadith according to the reliability of the memory of the reporters and under this last section that we'll cover next week comes hadith sahih hasan, da'if and mawdu'ah and after that then there's the last section of the book further branches of mustalah and rijal al-hadith basically these are just yani, subtitles of the various branches related to Mustalah Hadith and the knowledge of the narrators that various books are written about concerning the knowledge of Hadith. But the last major classification we will deal with next week is classification of the Hadith according to the reliability of the memory of the reporters. This will deal with Hadith which are Sahih, Hassan, and Da'if and that which is related to them. Is there any comments or questions or corrections, inshallah? few moments remaining inshallah. yeah some of the scholars said that the time period that's mentioned in the hadith yani, in the Quran the creation of the heavens and earth is mentioned in six days and in this hadith seven days are mentioned so they're saying that there's a contradiction here that this hadith is contradicting the Quran so some of the scholars based on this said that the hadith 
is even though the chain of narratives is complete and even though all of the narratives in the chain are of good character and good memory uh, still they said that there is a defect in the meaning of the hadith which is contradictory to the Quran and as we said earlier that some of the scholars may understand something differently than others they may see into it something that others don't see and for this reason some of them felt that it was contradictory therefore rejecting it while others said that it was not contradictory and amongst the major scholars who, who rejected it was Imam al-Bukhari and his Sheikh Ali ibn al-Madini in any case then uh, the important thing to know is that the knowledge of Ilal al-Hadith or hidden defects in Hadith is a very meticulous science and not many scholars have written about it not to mention those who have mastered it of the early generations of the Muslims there are only few like the great scholars like Imam al-Bukhari and uh, Imam Ahmed and uh, Ali ibn Madini and al-Darqutni from yani, the last of the generation of the early generation of Muslims al-Darqutni, Imam al-Darqutni was one of the greatest scholars in his book is I think the most comprehensive book written on this topic <coughs> in any case it's something that requires careful examination uh, in order to uh, understand it and to detect it uh, and also here we should mention that in order for hadith to come under the classification of ma'alul or mu'allal it should be a hadith which appears on the surface to be sahih it should appear to fulfill all the conditions of sahih otherwise if there's an obvious defect in it obvious then it's not considered ma'alul we'll say that it's rejected because one of the narratives is da'if or because there's a break in the chain that's obvious and it's something that doesn't require investigation the narratives the scholars of hadith know the narratives and they know that this particular narrative is da'if it's not a hidden defect or they know that there's a break in the chain or something so it should be a hadith that appears on the surface to be sahih but only after careful examination it is seen to be uh, يعني, rejected in order to find the hidden defects in hadith uh, one of the ways that are considered is that a narrator has reported the hadith singly and he is the single person who reported that hadith this is one of the ways to detect uh, the hidden defects in the hadith because nobody else reported it like that nobody else reported the hadith and the second thing that, that a narrator contradicts others who have reported the same thing and this is also a sign that may cause the scholars to investigate the hadith more carefully in order to determine where the defect came from or who was who the error was from uh, then he says also that there are other factors which may be connected to these first two that a, that a narrator has reported alone or that he has been contradicted by others uh, sometimes he said that the narrator who may be normally a reliable uh, narrator it may be found that the hadith which he reports with a complete chain mawsoolan is actually uh, mursal and it has a break or he has reported it marfuan attributed to the Prophet while in fact it's mawkufan really a statement of a companion or sometimes the reporter who is normally an acceptable reporter adds a, a text, a metan of a hadith to another method and he puts two statements together as though they are one hadith uh, mistakenly in error when in fact they are separate hadith 
and concerning the way to actually determine the correctness of which narration is correct and which one is, is, is rejected, said that it's necessary to collect all the narrations of the hadith and then look at the differences in the varying reports and then to weigh the reliability the reliability and the accuracy of each of those reporters in order to determine yani, which one is the ma'alul, the defective one and which one should be accepted. And he said that the defects, hidden defects in the hadith may fall in the isnad or may fall in the metan but it is more likely and more common that it's in the isnad of the hadith. And also he said, he says that some of the defects in the hadith uh, it may cause the text of the hadith to be rejected and also yani, it may be a defect in the text as well as in the isnad whereas some defect in the hadith <coughs> may be a defect in the isnad alone not affecting the metin, the text yani, it may be a defect in the isnad but in fact the text or the words of the hadith could in fact be authentic. And the example he gives of that is the hadith reported from Ya'ala ibn Ubaid, from Ithawri, from Amr ibn Dinar, from Abd ibn Umar, Marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet Al-Bayyan bil Khiyar. The two people who are doing a transaction in business, they have a choice. And while they are with each other, they have a choice to change their mind. But if they separate, then the sale is final. Uh, so it has been found that in fact the correct chain of narration instead of Amr ibn Dinar it was really Abdullah ibn Dinar so this is a defect in the Isnad which is not easily to detect because Amr ibn Dinar and Abdullah ibn Dinar was from the same generation and they reported from the same Shiyuk so it was easily it could have been either one of them but in fact it was Abdullah ibn Dinar and uh, this text of the Hadith is not affected the text of the Hadith is really Sahih but there was a mistake in reporting it one of the narratives from uh, Amr when in fact it was Abdullah ibn Dinar and since both of them are thiqa, reliable reporters the mistake in the isnad here doesn't affect the text because even Amr ibn Dinar he is reliable but actually it wasn't him it was Abdullah ibn Dinar and the one who really was the correct reporter in the isnad he's also thicker, reliable so no problem and it doesn't uh, affect the text of the hadith and then finally he mentioned some of the famous books written concerning this science is Kitab al-Ilal by Ali ibn Madini Ilal al-Hadith by Ibn Abi Hatim Al-Ilal wa Ma'arifat al-Rijal by Ahmed ibn Hanbal Al-Ilal al-Kabir wa Al-Ilal al-Saghir by Tirmidhi Imam al-Tirmidhi wa Al-Ilal al-Warda al-Ahadith al-Nabawiya by Imam al-Darkudni and this is the most comprehensive of those books this is the end of what we wanted to say today if there are any comments or questions inshallah Concerning Ilal. Lavas, ma'am. That he never met Ali? And this is what most of the scholars say that he didn't meet Ali. But some of the scholars said that because he was. 18 years old at the time of the death of Ali ibn Abi Talib there is a possibility that he could have met him it's possible and it's not impossible but the information that the scholars collected concerning the biographies of the narrators usually indicates who they met and who they heard hadith from and who they didn't 
And that information seems to suggest that he didn't meet him. There doesn't be, there's no confirmation that he met him. But he is saying that because his age, he was an adult, and he was 18 years old at the time of the death of Ali, then he's saying that even though Ali wasn't in Medina at that time, at the time Ali was in Medina, uh, Hassan al-Basri was much younger. But it was possible that he could have met him. He is just saying that there's a possibility. Though the majority of the scholars said that he didn't meet him, and for this reason, the hadith from Hassan al-Basri from Ali are rejected. Because most of the scholars said that he didn't meet Ali. So it is any correct. But the only thing that was said here is that uh, in looking at the age of Hassan al-Basri when he died and the death of Ali, in comparing it, you see that Hassan al-Basri lived in the end of the time of Ali. Although Ali wasn't in Medina at that time. But Ali was in Medina perhaps when Hassan al-Basri was a small boy. And so there was a possibility he could have met him. In any case, the important thing is that this is an example of how the scholars examine meticulously the birth dates and death dates of the narratives of hadith in order to determine the possibility or the absence of it, of someone meeting someone or narrating from someone. Especially when there was no confirmation that they met or that that person heard from that person. When we look at the birth and death of the, the sheikh and the one who reports from him, it may uh, any narrow down the possibility of him having met him or it may show the impossibility of it. And especially if the sheikh died before the person was born. And it's clear. And it's not even any questionable. Now. The ruling of Mu'allal Hadith is that they are da'if. The Hadith, the Hadith, Mu'allal, it is, or Ma'alul, it is uh, considered to be da'if. If it is shown that in fact, and if it is confirmed, that there is a hidden defect that affects the authenticity of the hadith. Of course we said that the defect, it may affect the isnad and the metin. Or it may only affect the isnad and not the metin. If it is a case where the isnad is actually proven to be incorrect, but when we examine and found the correct isnad for that hadith, it is an authentic isnad. Then in that case, that's a real defect. It's a hidden defect. But it doesn't affect the metin of the hadith. The hadith is still sahih. And when we found the correct isnad, we found that it was a sahih isnad. So in that case, this is the case of a hidden defect, but it doesn't affect the acceptability of the metin, of the text. In general, hadith ma'alul, hadith that's ma'alul is rejected. Except in the case where the defect is in the isnad, but the correct isnad for it is sahih. When the, all of the asanis are brought together to compare them and examine them, it's found that yes, it is a mistake. But there is a correct isnad for the very exact chain, uh, wording or text or metin for that uh, hadith. Then uh, it doesn't affect, it doesn't have a negative effect on the authenticity of those words or that which has been reported from the Prophet Abdullah ibn Dinar and Amr ibn Dinar, both of them are thiqa, yani highly accepted or accurate reporters of hadith. Both of them are accepted. So even though there was an error from somebody who narrated the hadith, he exchanged the name Abdullah for Amr. He exchanged, he brought Amr instead of Abdullah. So it's an error. 
And it's not an easily detectable error. But it doesn't affect the authenticity of the hadith because after investigation we found that in fact the narrator was Abdul ibn Dinar, rahimahullah, and he is a thicker narrator just as is Amr. So they accepted the hadith because Amr was thicker, but it was a mistake. But then they found who was the real narrator? He was Abdul ibn Dinar. And he's also thicker. So that mistake doesn't harm us. There's no harm in it. Yeah, this, this type of defect in the isnad, where it's found that the person who has been placed there incorrectly uh, and made the hadith appear to be authentic. When it's found that the real person who belongs in that place is also reliable, then it doesn't affect the authenticity of the hadith. But we say that that hadith by this chain is ma'lul or mu'allal. It's ma'lul. But by the correct chain, it is sahih. The matin is, is correct in any case. And that's why sometimes the hadith is reported like the hadith that <coughs> a river has 70 some odd branches. And the least of it is a man having sexual relations with his mother. There are chains of narration for this hadith that are mawdu'ah, fabricated. That are classified by the scholars as mawdu'ah, fabricated. But there are also chains that are sahih. So if the text of the hadith, it is sahih. Although if you look at it from the chain that's fabricated, you will say this hadith, it is mawdu'ah from this chain of narrators. But the metin is sahih. Why is the metin sahih? Because there are other chains of narrators which are correct. So some people, perhaps they saw this hadith. I remember when I was in Medina, somebody said this hadith is weak. And I looked in the books, I found it in Jamia Sagheer, that it's reported by different chains of narrators, and some of them are in fact weak, very weak, or fabricated. And some of them are also sahih. Yeah. <laughs> if any Muslim said that it's Sahih and any Bukhari said that it's not, what do we have to say? <laughs> no, it doesn't affect the status of Muslim because Imam Muslim Rahimahullah is a human being. No matter, even if he made an error, it doesn't take anything from the high respect and status that he has as one of the greatest scholars of hadith in the history of Islam, in the, in the Muslim Ummah. It doesn't affect the status of Sahih Muslim either. Because, in reality, there are 110 hadith that the scholars have reported difference of opinion about between Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Maybe about 70 some art of them are from uh, either Bukhari or Muslim. And the remaining are in both of them. And some of the scholars criticize those hadith. Yani 110 hadith between the Sahih of al-Bukhari and Muslim that the scholars argued about. Some of them saying this hadith is not uh, in accordance with the standard of al-Bukhari or, in the stand, or according to the standard of Muslim. And some said it actually has some slight defect in it or otherwise. And the scholars debated these issues, some of them agreeing with those who criticized it and some of them agreeing with those who defended it. And even with that, even with that, it doesn't affect the fact that the Muslim Ummah or the scholars of the Muslim Ummah are in agreement with the acceptability of these two books, the Sahih al-Bukhari and the Sahih Muslim as the most authentic books of Hadith or the most authentic books of Sunnah. Uh, uh, it doesn't affect it. Still, they have the same high status with us, even if there is a mistake or two. When you consider that 
of those hadith, many of them, the criticism was unjustified. And sometimes it was only that, that hadith may not have met the high standard of Bukhari. But it doesn't mean that it's not Sahih. But it's not Sahih in the standard of Bukhari. But still it's Sahih according to the standard of other scholars. But even with that, even if we found that there's some hadith there which has an incomplete chain, but there are other narrations that will complete chains. Even if we found, for example, that there's some hadith which has a defect in it, a minor defect, but it's supported by other proofs. Even with that, still it doesn't take away from the overwhelming uh, fact of the authenticity of the hadith of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. That is agreed upon by the Muslim Ummah. So, yani, we don't expect that any, any human being is perfect. They are not perfect, they are human beings. So if there is an error or mistake, it doesn't affect, especially when the error or the mistake is small in comparison to uh, yani, their correct judgments or rulings. If there was any scholar who didn't make any mistake, then we would wonder, is he a human being? There's no scholar that doesn't make a mistake. Every scholar has made mistakes in hadith or otherwise. So, no, even if there is a mistake, it is from Allah's decree that all human beings should be shown to be human. Otherwise, if they, are, if they became infallible, maybe people will worship them. And the mistakes of even the greatest of scholars are recorded in their books, preserved for the history, so that people will always know that they are only human beings. But it doesn't take anything away from our respect for them. It only takes from the respect of them with the person who doesn't understand that human beings are not infallible. The only infallibility is to the MBA, the prophets and messengers. And Allah has protected them from error. If they made an error, He corrects it by revelation. Only the prophets and messengers. Not, no, no, no one else besides them. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa